welcome back to the Rab Mountain People podcast with me, your host, Andy Cave. Here's a sample of what's ahead. You know, you begin to realize it doesn't matter what you accomplish. You know, we should be able to feel satisfied just being us for who we are. Of course, I still set goals and I'd like to achieve them. But ultimately, for me, it wasn't about the next greatest accomplishment or success. It came down to you know, enjoying the partnership, being outside, traveling, um, you know, the community. I really love being able to experience the balance of being a full-time mama, but also being able to get outside and climb. In this episode, I was fortunate to chat with Boulder, Colorado-based pro climber Hedda Viedner. A former ballet dancer who later studied to be a veterinary surgeon, Heather has exceeded at the very highest level in sport and trad climbing. But a journey leading there, her philosophy on why climbing these routes means so much to her is fascinating. To me, it was a very special conversation, mainly because Heather was so available emotionally and willing to share some of her personal hardships alongside the many highs of a fantastic rock climbing career. I wanted to ask her about becoming a mama her fears beforehand, and how it has been returning to hard climbing since, getting back in shape and balancing family with focused projecting. This is a great chat with a true inspirational rock warrior. Welcome, Heather. It's, it's great to meet you virtually. How are you? Thank you. I'm really good. Thanks so much for having me. No, and is this, I know where I'm, is, is this nap time? Uh, is that why we yes this is nap time for Dallas our 18 month old little boy and um, Chris my husband's helping out too so hopefully we won't have any crying interruptions but we're lucky he's a really good sleeper he sleeps 12 to 13 hours at night and he naps one to three hours midday and if he if he does wake up then he can come and join in and uh, yeah yeah (laughs) exactly it'll be a lot of fun yeah so where yeah where where are you now where where are you sat right now where's your home now and where were you from originally yeah yeah my home now is boulder colorado kind of the climbing capital of the world and i'm originally from las vegas nevada which isn't too shabby for climbing as well um but yeah boulder is home and we're still traveling quite a bit but uh so so lucky to be here in boulder colorado it's a beautiful day sunny and and uh nice and and warm not too hot nice i mean i've been to quite a few places in the states but a massive gap uh on my cv is is boulder um so yes i need to come over it's wonderful it's one of the things with boulder the reason it attracts a lot of climbers is that there's obviously all the different aspects of climbing like there's high mountain stuff there's crags there's trad there's bolts and also it's kind of year round is that right Absolutely. Um, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. My husband would argue otherwise, but in the wintertime, it can be rough, but you can pick your days. Say it's 40 degrees uh, Fahrenheit out. If it's sunny, you can hit up some some of the south facing cliffs and still get out, but it's definitely harder. You have to be more motivated and sometimes trudge through snow whatnot. But I, I do believe that you're correct in that Boulder's unique. The climbing is um, extremely varied. We have, like you said, the high mountains, um, but then we also have, um, 
you know, sandstone and the flat irons, and we have um, all different types of climbing traditionals for um, El Dorado. If you want to be scared on on trad gear and um, you know Boulder Canyon with the granite, um, Clear Creek with the nice and and so we have such a variety here. It's probably one of those places because of the amount of climbers over the generations where it's like probably a bit of a crucible for pushing the grades and the different disciplines as well. So I, that's the impression I get going right back to Jim Collins with Psycho and all that sort of stuff back in the day. And then it's the next generations keep coming. Is that, is that right? Yes, absolutely. And I think another huge draw to Boulder is honestly the gym culture. We have so many world-class gyms and um, the, you know, climbing teams, the kids climbing teams, there's this whole new generation that are coming up and, and crushing everything. So it's pretty exciting to be here and have so much variety. Yeah. So did you start climbing? Because obviously Vegas has great cliffs around there as well. And that, that can be good, I guess, in the winter. Is that where you started yeah. out? Was it, were you from an outdoor family or how did it come about? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually wasn't from an outdoor family at all. Um, in Vegas, I grew up riding horses and I, I took dance classes, I primarily ballet. So I never had any climbing experience until I went to college in Fort Collins, Colorado, just north of here. And um, I was 21 and I had a boyfriend who climbed and he uh, was very into off with climbing of all things. And so we would go to Vitavu, Wyoming, which is the kind of um, fat crack country. Um, and he would drag me up these off with, and I somehow loved it, even though it was slightly miserable. <laughs> and I just loved everything about, you know, the culture of being outside and trying hard and, being with with good people and the trust factor and so um so I started climbing in Vitavu and then would occasionally get in the gym here and there but I was really busy with school because I was going to school to become a veterinarian and so I'd get outside maybe once a month and to the gym you know maybe once every couple weeks but it wasn't until I moved back to Las Vegas after I graduated vet school where I really took climbing more seriously. And um, I had a job where I worked four days a week with no on call. So for three days a week, I got to go climbing all day, which was a huge change for me because in school, you virtually have no time. And I was working um, at least one job, sometimes two. So it was super busy. So having three days off a week, I just became obsessed with the climbing around there. Um, of course, there's Red Rock Conservation Area, which is amazing. And there's are all of these surrounding limestone areas. Um, so that's where I really started, um, you know, becoming consistent and trying to push myself with climbing. That was 2007. And did you, did you sort of find your thing, if you like, or your, you know, what was your strength? I mean, not necessarily off with by the sounds of it. Was there a bit of a change away <laughs> from that? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I, I fell into this, um, I, I started to meet some of the prominent people in the Las Vegas community. And one of those people was my kind of mentor figure. Um, his name's Bill Ramsey. He's a philosophy professor. And he, he really took me under his wing and taught me kind of all about the projecting process because I had never experienced it before. 
I feel like it suited me really well because um, it has this huge mental component in this problem solving aspect. And I, uh, I love the sciences and math and trying to, to, you know, problem solve. So that suited me well. And then um, we honestly had the same schedule. Uh, we had the same days off. So I always had this partner. So he was dragging me to these really hard limestone sport climbing areas and saying, you can do it, you know, get on this this climb that's way too hard for you. But, uh, you know, so he taught me how to be patient and figure out kind of the best, um, uh, you know, basically to always stay curious with the climb and, and try to figure out the movement. And uh, yeah, because the, the sequences and I've, I've seen you climb and I, I don't know if you, you're naturally very supple or you do a lot of yoga, but you, you, you definitely um, I'm a, I'm an inflexible, you know, guy who's a lot of, a lot of mountaineering. Uh, but it looks like you you're finding some some great beta, some knee bars, and in, in some pretty interesting terrain. I mean, is that one of your super strengths? Uh, Thank you. I I think so. I think that um, I'm a pretty good. Technically, I'm a pretty good climber. I I really enjoy knee barring and knee scums. Like this idea of a total body climbing and I think that my dance background really helped with that as far as body awareness and also when you are projecting it starts to become like um choreography and it and so that there's a similarity there um basically you're trying to perform each move perfectly and and so I think there's a lot of overlap yeah I'm gonna say how how, how, I guess there are differences and there's the overlap. I can, I can imagine that. So a routine in ballet and a routine in climbing, sort of actually memorizing the sort of body shapes and when to breathe and all that. There must be lots of overlaps. I believe so. I believe so, yeah. You know, I always think, gosh, I wish I would have started climbing earlier. But um, I think anything where you're um, kind of – uh, pushed toward this body awareness, right? Like um, strength with strength involved, like any kind of dance or gymnastics. Um, even I, I would argue, even the horseback riding that I did as a, a kid helped because often, you know, to change the to to make the horse do what you you'd like it to do, you're you know um, changing the weight in your left hip or you know placing your heel as in a certain specific spot so any any of these activities i think can really um contribute yeah what about the um i'm just thinking about the performance element as well because you know there's that thing where certainly i i I think i came to sort of hard red pointing quite late really i did a lot of on sighting and being in the mountains and it's something when we when we had a family i had less time and i and that's where i got into it and i really i was surprised at how much i enjoyed it actually uh I did dance a bit as a kid, not very much lower level and, and different style of dancing, but so I get that a bit, but I never had to perform in front of people. I don't know if you did with your dancing, but sometimes when you're red pointing something, it's amazing, isn't it? How you can feel uh, really strong until you, you have to go out and do the deed. And then that day you feel <laughs> yes, the dealing with the pressure. Uh, and I yes. found that interesting that I'd had, I dealt with pressure in the high mountains or really dangerous situations. But in its own way, it's still a massive pressure, red pointing, uh, yeah, hard things that are hard for you. Did you find there was anything from dance that could help with that? In that? 
I think so. Honestly, because I think it, it's very mental. You need to be able to shut out those kind of voices in your head and simply focus on, you know, the next one or two, maybe the next four movements and that's it. And that's a lot easier said than done. Um, and so, yeah. And I think even I did a lot of like horse riding competitions and I think the, the breathing and, and staying relaxed, because if you didn't stay relaxed then your horse isn't relaxed and things like that. So I, I think all of it kind of certainly helps. Yeah. Okay. So, and you have, you know, before becoming a mom, you've obviously climbed at a really high level sport climbing and trad climbing. I mean, looking at the film China doll, how much of a big deal was that in terms of, first of all, just setting that as a goal, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult climb first female to do it only I think maybe three other women in the States had climbed at that level in trad, which, and then obviously there's a lot of good trad climbing females in the States. So was that something that felt really scary when you went, Oh yeah, I'm going to try that. Did it take you a while? And part B of the question is, was it something you thought about for quite a while or was it more like, yeah, I'm just going to do that. How, how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you, by the way. I really appreciate the compliments. So I had this pattern um, before China Doll of setting one really hard goal, whatever that meant for me each year. And it was kind of just this personal challenge that I really enjoyed. And so it, you know, it might be, you know, now try a 13D sport climb, then 14A and then 14B. And I had gotten to a point in sport climbing where um, I just, I, I kind of wanted to change things up, I guess. And, um, my, uh, historically I started as a trad climber and I had never really pushed myself in the same way as sport climbing as, as with, with trad climbing. And so I thought that that would just be a really cool challenge. Um, and so living in Boulder, uh, Chris, my husband recommended, Hey, why don't you try China doll? It's in our backyard. And I thought, oh my gosh, like a 14A trad climb. And it's kind of scary, like, whoa. But um, I had this, you know, kind of history of setting really high goals. And I thought, well, why not? Um, and I had done a few other kind of hard trad climbs for me um, uh, leading up to it. And so I had a little bit of confidence there. Um, I was able to do this 13C kind of R uh, climb in El Dorado Canyon. Um, so that really kind of pushed me mentally. And I thought, okay, now I'm ready for the next step. Nice. Um, but, but yeah, China doll was above and beyond anything I'd tried before um, as far as physical and mental. For, for people listening, do describe, because uh, they, they obviously haven't got the visual I've I've seen the film and I would recommend people to see the film. It's a, it's a great film, but it's this, well, it's obviously, it looks like a very, very tenuous crack climb, but just talk us through what, what why is it so difficult? And yeah. What's, what's um, it all about? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's this beautiful kind of right leaning crack system. It's about a 35 meter pitch. If you combine the two pitches. So essentially there's, uh, originally, it was um, bolted as a 13C sport climb, 
And then um, with an extension without any bolts, um, with a really thin crack and uh, with a, another anchor. So um, it had been climbed in two pitches and then, um, and then in one. And my goal was to basically avoid the bolts um, on the 13C part of this climb and, and just use the crack systems and, and do an all gear um, 14A ascent. So the, ex the extension essentially added a 13D and so the 13C plus 13D making it a 14A. Is it like, I mean, what sort of strengths do you need? So you cover what it looks <laughs> like, is, is it, I know you're saying it's a crack line, but it looks very tenuous. Is it like jamming oh. or is it more just very small holes on the side of a crack? Yeah, good question. It's kind of that classic glassy, smooth granite where, I mean, you're, you're kind of jamming, but they're, it's very flared and the feet are just disastrous. They're so, so small, almost non-existent. And that was one of the hardest things about China Doll was getting used to trusting kind of like really terrible holds. Um, and also the conditions were extremely variable. It's in this, um, it's in Upper Dream Canyon of Boulder Canyon and it's along this river. So there were some days where the humidity levels were quite high or it had rained and the crack was kind of damp. And I, there were days I couldn't even do the moves on the climb. So that was mentally hard. Um, but yeah, it's pretty sustained too. Um, and then just the whole mental aspect of, of really pushing yourself on small gear. Yeah. And is, I mean, is the gear, it's small, is it generally good or are there some pieces that are a bit concerning or other places where you're like, I don't want to fall here? Yeah, exactly. I think the scariest um, part of that climb, there's kind of this intro V5 um, boulder problem and that the gear is, is good, but it's extremely finicky and small. So I think I had like a, a purple, blue, and um, gray, purple, uh, metolius offsets in there. You could place nuts, but the placements are very hard. And um, uh, there was a triple zero actually that I had placed below those other two pieces. And um, I had those upper two pieces rip and I fell onto the triple zero once. And that was terrifying, kind of hit like a little ledge. Um, so that's kind of the spiciest part of the entire route. And then as you go up the crack system, the gear gets better. Um, and at the very top, there's it, the crack gets really small and the gear is small, but it's good. In the film that, you, that, that I've seen about that, you talk at the beginning about um, maybe lacking confidence outside of climbing in some ways and things like that, which is, it's interesting uh, isn't it when we often see in people that are very talented and high achievers, like you've been to veterinary college, you the ballet, the horse riding, and then like these really high levels. Is that something around like imposter syndrome or something? And then you talk about that those feelings um, when you when you're on the wall, they kind of go away, and you almost you change. You're like a, a warrior on the wall or something. Is that talk, tell us a little bit about that? And is that something that the reason you like climbing? Yeah, that's a great question. I think these insecurities that I've battled with and still to this day battle with um, honestly stem from early childhood development. I was raised in a, a home that was um, 
very kind of tumultuous. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic um, setting, a lot of fighting. Um, and I think that I just always felt pretty insecure in my environment and also just in myself. I didn't have um, uh, really reliable parenting, I, I guess okay. I, I would say. And so now being a mom now, I'm extremely aware of, of, of that dynamic. Um, so I really think it was deep seated. And I, I had always thought, gosh, you know, I, I had this low self-confidence, but I always thought if I achieve great things, then that will make me X, Y, Z, more confident, you know, likable, whatever, you know, that kind of, um, uh, whatever I was searching for. And so China doll was uh, a great teacher in the sense that I really had to face all of my demons, not just demons of, of not being feeling or being strong enough uh, mentally or physically, but it was um, really facing my yeah self-confidence and lack thereof issues. I, I wanted to ask when you do a climb like that, um, how long does the feeling of uh, whatever that feeling is, serenity or something or calm or feeling like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied now for a while. Does it, is it, a, you know, a week? Cause there might be people listening who are not, they've never gone through that process of like a phenomenal commitment to such a hard project, uh, you know, getting the weather and everything you talked about. And um, I just, yeah, I guess we hope, don't we, that it's going to then last for a while and, <laughs> and we kind of sit still and we're like, yeah, that was great. I'll just uh, I'll chill out now for a while, but we know it's not always like that. Right. Yes. So through a lot of work with therapy, and I also worked a lot with Arno Ildner. He wrote The Rock Warrior's Way. Yeah, I've, I've read that. Yeah. Great book. Great book and great philosophies. Um, basically, I am learning and, and it's it's I've had so much self-growth that, you know, you begin to realize it doesn't matter what you accomplish. You know, we should be able to feel satisfied just being us for who we are. Um, it's like, of course, I still set goals and I'd like to achieve them. But, um, you know, back in the day, I mean, after China doll, the exhilaration of success really didn't last that long. Like it maybe lasted two weeks and then. I went into kind of this depression of like, wow, I, I can't top this. Like I can't get better than this in my head. And so I really had to come back to my motivation with climbing. Like, why do I climb? And ultimately for me, it wasn't about the next greatest accomplishment or success. It came down to, you know, enjoying the partnership, being outside, traveling, um, you know, the community, and also being able to um, feel alive in your body and your breath and, and be able to, um, you know, be present. It sounds so cliche, but in our day to day lives, um, there's so much distraction and, and um, it's nice to be able to um, just be on the rock and this is what you're doing and be able to focus on on kind of one thing yeah really really beautifully said and i think yeah there is that hyper focus that we get from climbing and using our bodies i mean that's why i always uh um i sort of hang on to i love you know i love the movement 
uh, and and the partnerships just just as you say and it's it, it is easy to lose sight of that isn't it sometimes our egos get in the way and we we get attached to numbers and and where we are you know and, and this sort of uh like league tables or something which uh or maybe maybe often we don't start climbing in that way and then it can for some people that could become like that and then we come full circle you know back to absolutely and i had always thought of the ego as you know being boastful or something like that but um you know after reading and working reading arno's book arno ilgner's book the ego is is this sense of self right so it could manifest as um, lack of self-worth. It could manifest as, you know, all of these kind of irrational thoughts, which are normal, right? Like um, every every day we probably have thousands of these little thoughts that come through our head. And, and it's really about training the mind and being able to first recognize that that's going on. And then second, not believe everything that's going on in there or just simply be able to, say, okay, that's happening, set it aside and refocus our attention and energy to the task at hand. Excellent. And I, I was thinking that, you know, like where you are um, today uh, with your climbing and obviously family, um, maybe, maybe let's start and talk about that change and what climbing means for you, you, you now. So, um, you guys have a son. Tell yes. us all about that. And oh, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, was that something that was that a difficult decision, or was it like, yeah, I def we definitely want that, or was it the fact you know when you're climbers and we you, you get to travel and probably uh, a lot of climbers go through that you know thought process perhaps of we're going to have to give up quite a lot of stuff and sacrifice Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yes. So it's, this is a funny story, actually. So when Chris and I first met, we were kind of in this infatuation phase, of course. And um, we both said, you know, we want to have, each, we want to have a baby together one day. Um, but that was, let's see, I was 31 years old. And I was actually the one that changed my mind and said, uh, Actually, I don't want a child. I'm loving my life right now um, because we got to travel the world and climb full time and it just felt like a dream. So um, basically, I, I worked as a veterinarian for five years in Las Vegas, met Chris. Um, we moved to Boulder and um, I was able to quit my job and um, climb professionally and and honestly just play. And I'm extremely privileged to have had that time um, because basically I had 10 years of, you know, freedom. And um, I think without that, I wouldn't have made the decision to have a child. Honestly, it was such a gift to be able to have like your own time and space. And so um, then I do believe the biological clock set in i was 39 and three quarters years old and i just had this sense that i wanted something more in life um climbing was amazing still but i just felt this overall emptiness i really wanted to have something more in a family um, a sense of family was really important to me 
Um, it was funny, we were on a trip in Leonidio, Greece, sport climbing, and it's just this paradise, right? The food is great, yeah, the yeah. people are wonderful. We were with our great friends and, you know, we were climbing these amazing tufa lines and, and from an outside perspective, it was just perfect. But I, that was the moment where I thought, gosh, I'm, I'm not deeply satisfied right now. And so something needs to change. So poor Chris, after uh, thinking he was off the hook for 10 years, he, I told him, gosh, I really want to have a child, you know, I want to experience what it's like to be a mom um, before it's too late. And um, so we tried. uh, And I unfortunately miscarried, which is really common, especially when you're a little bit older. But then, um, and there were some complications there, but our second try, um, I was 41 and I was able to conceive and now we have little Dallas. He's a year and a half old now. And I feel like the luckiest person on the planet, honestly, I, it was the best decision of my life. Um, now that we have him, I really can't imagine not having him in our lives and, and not being a mom. And I, I really love um, being able to, to experience the balance of being a full-time mama, but also being able to get outside and climb. Um, and in that way, we are extremely fortunate because we're able to have a nanny. Um, I have a nanny three afternoons a week right now, so I can get out and climb on my project and come back refreshed and be in full-on mama mode. And uh yeah, I think that, um, you know, things would be different if we didn't have um, the ability to do that, right? Like if I was working full time and, and couldn't afford an any, I, I don't know that I would have chosen this lifestyle. But for, for now, and for me, it's it's wonderful. Very, very Great. grateful. It sounds like yeah. you're someone who you think about things quite a bit. But then once you're in, you're fully committed, whether that's, uh, you know, it's like, is that true? Yeah. Just yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. I am definitely a planner and, uh, and very committed. <laughs> and how has it been, um, you know, physically coming back to climbing? Okay. You know, obviously yeah. really content you, you guys, you've got lovely sun and it's fantastic, but getting back into it goal setting trying to find yourself a little bit and then you know maybe thinking about projects that you 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 know are you still in that mode so talk us through that the physical side and then the sort of like your goal setting side yeah yeah so basically um just to back it up a little bit uh climbing and pregnancy was really interesting um I had never really thought about not being able to lead climb while pregnant and it just wasn't at the forefront of my mind. And so that was a hard moment. Um, I had recommendations from doctors and friends, you know, it's probably best not to lead climb just to decrease the risk um, when falling in that jolt. Uh, there's a risk of placental separation. And I just really didn't want to risk that. But it was sad because I was like, oh no, we are, we, Chris and I already need a third, right? Because if I can only top rope and I can't lead belay even because of the potential for, for trauma, um, that was a sad moment, but, um, a hundred percent worth it. I was able to kind of 
shift gears and I got really into um, top roping at the gym. Like I had never climbed at the gym so much in my life. And I had all of these little like gym projects, top rope gym projects, which were pretty fun actually. And I had a partner in crime, my friend, uh, Laura Caps. Um, she's an avid climber and she was just a month uh, or about what, uh, seven weeks behind me um, in pregnancy. And so we would just get together and, and climb our, our hearts out. Um, and I climbed all the way until five days before my C-section. I had a, a C-section because little Dallas was um, transverse breech. He was kind of sideways in my belly. So I didn't have a choice. But honestly, climbing felt better than walking most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes when you're walking around and pregnant, you feel like you're just waddling and, and out of breath, but climbing typically felt really good um, unless there was a high step involved. <laughs> but uh, it was rough. I gained 40 pounds in pregnancy, um, which I'm normally 110 pounds. So for me, that was a huge, huge gain. Um, and I basically kind of did whatever my body wanted. I ate mac and cheese and, you know, just didn't really worry about it and just stayed active. Um, but I was really nervous about having a C-section because I had heard the recovery was a lot more difficult because they, you know, literally cut through your abdominal muscles. Um, but thankfully everything went well. The procedure went great. And two weeks at my two week recheck, I asked my doctor, okay, like how long do I have to really wait to climb? Because everything online says, you know, wait at least six weeks before you're active. And, and he looked at me and he was like, he's like, I know, you know, your body just, you know, listen to it and be gentle. Don't push too hard. And so it's so funny. I was two weeks later, I was hanging, we have a home wall, we have a tension board and a moon board. And I was hanging on our 40 degree wall and my arms were shaking and I couldn't do anything. But um, gradually, very slowly, I was able to, to, you know, get back to, um, I guess, kind of a pre pregnancy fitness, but it was hard. I think the hardest part was, um, was the weight loss. And I feel like it's sometimes pretty taboo to talk about weight, but it's, it's honestly very important in climbing. And, and, um, I feel like my body wants to be at a certain weight. Um, I feel really good at, at my current weight. And so feeling heavy for a long time was hard. Um, and it, it honestly came down to hormones. I'd say about eight months after I gave birth to Dallas is when my body finally normalized and, and it was easier to kind of get back. But, um, so any advice to, you know, for post-pregnancy, I would say just be patient. <laughs> it's all hormones. Um, but, uh, and as far as now with goal setting, um, it's been so much fun. I feel like myself again plus being a mom it's just this like bonus and um so chris and i took a trip to jailhouse uh, near sonora california it's this rifle-esque kind of uh blocky overhanging um uh volcanic uh, cliff 
And we both picked a project that's, that was hard for us. And for me, I really wanted to do a 14A sport climb within a year of giving birth of Dallas. And we had this three and a half week trip. We brought our nanny, you know, lots of organizing. And I was able to put this climb um, called The Juice uh, together. Um, and I sent it our last day of the trip, which was extremely nerve wracking. Um, and yeah, and today uh, I've been working on another climb locally, which has been so much fun. It's this 14A slash B sport climb called I Am the Walrus up in the Flatirons. And it's uh, it's just glorious to be able to like, like I said, kind of feel like myself, but also be in mama mode. Inspiring, I think, for um, you know other climbers maybe who who have that question whether to you know go for the family or not. It's obviously a very personal thing, and you, you've got to make it work between uh, all of you. But it's just, I guess, so much more committing for a female climber, the woman, the changes in the body, and and all that kind of, I guess, anxiety around that. But also, I think. Um, for non-climbers as well, there must do you, do you. I mean, I know you do a lot of talks. Do you do you, or do you interact with folk that are not climbers and that are looking at you? And how do you manage to balance that? You know, because a lot of people think, God, oh, just being a mum is, is is pretty exhausting. So, any tips? I mean, just on simply like having enough energy to train. Right. And, you know, how did you know? I mean, I know. I guess now we uh, Dallas has a nap. I remember that. It's like the golden time. You're almost. Uh, uh, you, you don't want it to end is that but, right uh, yeah it is tough especially in the first few months I mean you're absolutely exhausted as as you know and um I think the key for me was I just kind of made myself do it because I knew if I just did a little bit of exercise even if it was you know 15 minutes worth of you know hangboarding or you know, a little bit of bouldering something, then I would feel a lot better after, um, despite the uh, sleep deprivation. Um, but honestly, Dallas, our son has made it very easy because he has been the best sleeper. So he, since three months of age and beyond, he slept through the night, which I've heard nightmare stories from other um, friends and, and their kiddos. And um, yeah, he sleeps 12 to 13 hours a, a night to this day. And Chris and I are both really big sleepers. <laughs> we average, you know, if, if we could average this every day, we would average, you know, 10 to 12 hours a night. Um, so I'm wondering if there's a genetic component to that that Dallas inherited, thankfully. Um, but yeah, he's, he's making it easy. Um, so maybe it's just a sort of genetic family trait, because obviously... To perform well in climbing as well, you need to be able to rest, don't you? There's that thing where yes. sometimes the most motivated people never achieve their potential because they, they just can't rest. Have you are you somebody who finds even before a family, do you, do you have you have you always found it okay to rest? You know, it's it's easy to sort of overtrain, isn't it? Definitely. I've always been more of a rester. So when I started really getting into um projecting and climbing, um it was a forced rest scenario, I guess, um, because I was working. Um, so I would only climb outside two days a week. It was like a Tuesday, Thursday, and then train, you know, um, Saturday night at the gym. So really essentially just climbing three days a week. And I did 
you know, feel like um, that gave me more of a chance at success, just having that rest. And, um, but it could have just been conditioning too, because, because to this day, I, I really like that schedule of kind of day on day off. Um, so right now I climb Monday, Wednesday, Friday afternoons. And, you know, when I'm trying something really hard for me, that's enough. And I'm excited at, for the weekend to just hang out with Dallas and rest on like a Saturday, Sunday. But yeah, I know people that, um, I think it's, it's honestly mental. A lot of the times, like they just really can't rest. Like they can't sit with, with the, maybe their thoughts or, or whatnot, or they just need that um to be that tired from the physical exertion to calm their mind I, I don't know what it is but i have no problem resting i love rest days <laughs> that's where the, that's often i mean that's where the gains are made isn't it you know the strength gains and such like and do you have a to make it work with the family because uh, i know your partner is also a very keen climber as well so do you, do you have that okay this is my day having a structure can be really helpful can't it you know your slots sort of thing yeah so we had this funny agreement so um Chris is an avid climber, like you said, and he was very resistant to the idea of having a kid for all of the things that you you mentioned, you know, um, but particularly he was very concerned about losing his freedom. And being a mom was so important to me that I, I, um, and I really, I deeply wanted it to be, you know, my job. Um, so we had this kind of <laughs> contract of, okay, you're going to be the primary caretaker and I still get to like go climbing. And um, it it works out that way now. And it's so cute. Actually, um, Chris is extremely keen on Dallas now, but I think the baby stage was hard. And, uh, but he, he definitely, my husband gets to kind of do what he wants. He can go on trips and, and whatnot. And, um, and then I have the nanny and, and, uh, um, but I'd say I do 98% of the caretaking. Um, and Chris, of course, does a lot of family activities, but, um, it, it works out well for us. It's, it's more of like a nuclear family dynamic. Um, but it works, it works great for us and it's, it's different for everyone. Do you have, um, I'm not sure if in the States where schooling starts at the same time as like in the UK when the kids probably five I mean certainly ourselves we sort of tried to cram in a few trips <laughs> before that have you got have you got plans once is you know like uh before school starts any any sort of yes more exotic yes. plans you know we're actually um we're going to Brazil as a family and bringing our nanny um in about 10 days actually uh to go sport limestone sport climbing in this place oh, wow. called Serra de Sipo. We've heard great things. Um, so that's Amazing. a big trip. We'll be there for three weeks. Um, and yeah, we'd love to like keep getting out. Um, Dallas is going to start preschool uh, at two and a half. So in, in about a year. Um, but I honestly, I like having a schedule and I, I, I enjoy being home, especially living in Boulder. I'm so lucky. And so I actually don't mind being a homebody um, for for the most part, but we'll definitely have some some trips for sure. Yeah, nice. Well, listen, Heather, it's been so nice to talk to you. Thanks for sharing your journey before and thank you, Dallas. 
yeah and uh, if i'm in boulder anytime i'll definitely uh, look you up and if you ever find yourself straying over to the peak district uh, you know where i am yeah i would love to visit thank you so much for having me it means a lot thank you for all the support thank you for listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed it i've been your host andy cave and you've been listening to the rab mountain people podcast to keep up to date and to hear more interviews like this don't forget to subscribe I look forward to bringing you more stories and interviews very soon. Stay tuned.